You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast, elucidating the Hebrew scripture by means of his knowledge of Arabic and drawing upon the Latin text. This week, Father Paul discusses the mistreatment of Hagar and the interesting play on Exodus in Genesis chapter 16. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Chapter 16 is still within what I call the cycle of Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham in conjunction with the covenant of circumcision, and also the name of Sarai became Sarah. It's important to remember that, if for no other reason than the fact that Abram was not that perfect, neither was Sarai. In this case, it's very clear that she abused Hagar. She used her to have a son for her husband, Abram, and then soon, within a few verses, she dismissed Hagar, just completely to the side. One has to put up with these situations because we are always used to speak positively about the forefathers, Abraham and David and Solomon and so on. This is not how scripture functions. We've seen that time and again and again and again. But there is something much more important towards the end of the chapter, where again, as I kept saying since Genesis 1, that in spite of whatever the human being does, God moves ahead with his plan to bring all the nations together as one flock, which will culminate at the end of Isaiah and the end of Ezekiel in the book of Song of Songs. And And I'm mentioning this because we're going to encounter it very clearly to the ear that is listening the Hebrew, obviously. And at the end, I shall show you that the text cannot be handled except in Hebrew, because the whole play is precisely made in the original language. But let's go quickly. Listening to the story is very important. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. She had an Egyptian maid. Very important to remember that, that Hagar is presented as an Egyptian. So Ishmael, the son of Abram and of Hagar, was a combination of, if you like, Jew and Gentile, to use the Pauline terminology, and he was blessed by God because soon we shall hear about his progeny in detail. Remember earlier I said God never forgets anyone. We hear of the full progeny 
of Ishmael, of the full progeny of Esau, the way we hear about the full progeny of Jacob. And this is unfortunately usually eliminated on the basis of we and they, the outsiders. Hagar is a very interesting name. It means to go away, to move. Hajara, in Arabic, when you say Hajara, is someone who leaves his country to go to another country. You know, one scholar works on the stone from Arabic, Hajar, but in Arabic, Hajar is with a He. Hajara is with a He, as we have it in Hebrew. Emigrant, okay, that's the Hajara in Arabic, someone who moves, and we shall see why, because she goes into the wilderness. So Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath prevented me from bearing children. Go into my maid. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Notice that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Very interesting, because at the end, we shall hear that God hearkens to the voice of Hagar. Again, I'm going to move quickly, but pointing towards the end where we have the summation of the entire story. He listened to the voice of Sarai, and later God will listen to the voice of Hagar. So after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, notice the repetition of Egyptian, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my maid to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me, and this is what the Lord is going to do at the end. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her as you please. So, Abram, I mean, in our lingo today, is a wimp. <laughs> then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she, meaning Hagar, fled from her. And this dealing harshly is very important. It's the verb that is used in conjunction with the plagues of Exodus. And I'm mentioning this because in a few verses we're going to see that indeed this was in the purview of the author. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water. Noted very important, this angel of the Lord he is going to appear also in conjunction with the Exodus. In the spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur, which is way down again in conjunction with the wilderness of Sinai, as we shall see shortly. So we have the importance of the spring of water, the oasis, and then it is in the same area as the exodus and the trek in the wilderness. 
Now quickly, for those who are and should be interested in the original, I mean anyone hearing this in Hebrew and Arabic could not miss that the spring of water, as I mentioned earlier in another podcast, is the word Ain, which is the same word as I, the organ with which we see. And it is so because the spring looks like a small eye. That's why there is this connection in the Semitic languages. So already we hear the eye that is going to appear at the end of chapter five, the eye connected with the seeing in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, made of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. Okay, later we shall hear about the fleeing from Egypt. Very interesting. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your descendants that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Earlier I mentioned this, that later in the book of Genesis, we shall hear about the progeny of Ishmael, similar to the progeny of Isaac. And the angel of the Lord, obviously he suggested this to her so that the child would be the child of Abraham. And then he tells her, behold, you are with child and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Yishmael, that is the original Hebrew, because the Lord Shama has given heed. Notice how in English you can't hear the connection. But in Hebrew, it's clear. The name is Yishmael. The Lord has heard because the Lord Yishmael, God has heard because the Lord Shama to your affliction. Very important. This is again the same word that is connected with the affliction in Egypt. Okay, so he listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild ass of a man, his hand against every man and every man's hand against him like Cain. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. He shall be wild. But again, I must stress, he is always in the purview of the plan of God. The way Cain would have been had he hearkened to the Lord. But because he did not hearken, he was completely eliminated and he has no genealogy. Whereas Ishmael will have a prosperous genealogy. So she called the name of the Lord, let's concentrate on these verses, who spoke to her, Thou art a God of seeing, El Roi. Let's hear it because the translation <laughs> does not help a lot. One has to hear the original. 
He is a God who sees, a God of seeing, a God that I saw. It works in all three directions. For she said, have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? You know, this is an expanded version in RSV. That's not the original. The original is, I saw after my seeing. In other words, I can see God and I was not eliminated. Later, we have the story of Moses. Notice the connection again with the Exodus. She remained alive. And that's why probably the RSV put it in English. But one is to remember that the stress is on seeing. But now the Lord is going to turn that by saying that it is he who hears and he is the one who sees everything. Therefore, the well, the well is the pit in Hebrew. Be'er, it's another word than I, the source. But notice the connection that the well is called Be'er Lahai Ro'i. We have an addition here, which is Hai, the living one. So it is the well that is dedicated to the one who is living and sees, or the one who is living that I saw myself, the real God that hears and sees everything. The Vulgate here has an interesting translation which is puteum viventis et videntis me. The pit, the well, of the one who is living and the one who is seeing me, who sees me. In other words, he sees my affliction and he takes care of me. Notice the parallelism with the Exodus. This is amazing, really, that it is as though Hagar and Ishmael experienced the Exodus before Jacob and his children, after Abraham experienced it in chapter 12. It is amazing, really. Now, if until now my hearers are not convinced, then they should be due to this addition that this well lies between Kadesh and Barad, okay, which is translated as Bered. Let me explain to my hearer. This is a phenomenon that appears in Hebrew. The way Eres, Eretz, the land, when it is at the end of a sentence, it is transformed into Aretz. And here we have Bered and Barad. Okay? Now, this is very important because 
Bered is precisely the word that appears later in Exodus in conjunction with the plague of the hail, because this is what Bered means until now in Arabic. Barad is the hail. Okay, very interesting. So, where is the well? Remember earlier we had Shur, which is the wilderness of Shur in the south towards Sinai. And then it is between Bered, let me begin with Bered, and Kadesh. Kadesh is the east of Sinai. This is where the people remained for a long time before entering the land of the promise. And Bered is on the other side, the hail, one of the plagues against Egypt. So, obviously the hearer is not going to solve this while hearing this chapter. How many times I said, often and more often than not, we have to wait. Because if we solve it, then it is our solution. This is not what's the, the scriptural solution. But when you wait, keeping hearing scripture, you will hear what scripture is doing. And this is what theology and commentaries do not do. Because commentaries, ultimately, you want to bring everything together and thus you theologize and technically you are imposing on your hearers but you can't the only reality that imposes itself on the hearers is scripture itself the bible as literature is a production of the ephesus school network